I think that happens every time I come up here, and I'm not sure what I'm doing except walking up here. Good evening. Uh, it's good to see all of you tonight. Uh, glad that you chose to be with us as we spend a bit more time with one another and with our Lord. A few weeks ago, I invited you to think with me on this idea of Jesus growing. And uh, what I tried to do in that first lesson was present the, the basic information. The fact is, the Bible says Jesus grew. He increased or he advanced, depending on what translation you used. And I also tried to uh, present at least some understanding of what all that means. I know sometimes maybe we don't uh, think about the fact that Jesus was not born into the world ready to do everything that the Father sent him to do. It required some affirmative effort on his part. It required some time to grow and develop so that he could fulfill his ministry. And I invited you to begin to think about the application of all of that. I mean, if Jesus had to grow into his ministry, uh, we should expect to have to grow as well. We shouldn't think that just because we were born physically or born again spiritually, that we were already ready to do everything God thought that we could and should do in this lifetime. We have to be intentional about growing. And the last time I spoke about this, we talked about Jesus growing mentally. The Bible says he increased in wisdom. And I hope that there was at least something in there that may have been helpful to you in your quest to grow and develop in wisdom. That is, rightly applying information, understanding what is happening from God's perspective, and then proceeding the way God would have you to proceed in light of your circumstance. This evening, I want you to think with me about the idea of Jesus increasing in stature. What does that mean for us? Jesus grew physically, and we should grow physically as well. When I say Jesus grew physically, the Bible says that of him when he was 12 years old. And so we know, among other things, that he would have become a larger human being. I mean, naturally, a person who, 12 years, who is 12 years old will increase physically in stature. But, but that's not the complete understanding of what that means. It means he, he matured. He developed physically. He became a stronger, more capable, physical person as he progressed in years. And you may be sitting here thinking to yourself, well, at my age, I don't have to, uh, I don't have to think too much about growing physically. I'm not going to get any taller. I'm not going to get any bigger. I'm not going to get any stronger. Well, all of that may or may not be true. But I would suggest to you that wherever you are right now, it would behoove you to spend some time thinking about growing, that is developing and becoming stronger physically, specifically so that you can make sure you give God absolutely everything he expects to get out of your physical body. Think with me about this for a few moments tonight. First, there is a, a concern for the body. I know that Jesus is most concerned about our spirits. I know that Jehovah is most concerned about our souls. And when I read the Bible, it's clear to me that the primary emphasis is on man's spiritual well-being. But I would say to you that it is not exclusively about man's spiritual well-being. God is concerned about your spirit first and foremost. Your spirit will go on into eternity. Your body will return to the ground from whence it came. And when the time comes, God will give you a new glorious body. But that doesn't mean he has no concern about the one you have right now. 
You ever read through the Old Testament and sometimes you, you read all those prescriptions in the Old Testament. Uh, maybe it says some things about diet, you know, and God says, well, all of these animals are clean and all these other animals are unclean. And somebody says, well, kind of what difference does it make? Well, I tell you, if you were to go back and study some of the animals that God said you needed to stay away from, you might see that God told them to avoid some of those animals because they would not have been healthy for them to eat in their environment and in their circumstance. You think about the prescription that God gives when somebody had leprosy. You know, he said if a person has leprosy, then they're going to be unclean for a period of time. And even after the priest says they are clean, those folks are going to have to wash themselves and wash their clothes and shave their hair. And after a period of time, seven days or so, then they could come back into the assembly. I wonder why. A person had a communicable disease on his skin or in his flesh, and God said, I want him to stay away from the rest of my people for a period of time. And before he returns, I want him to clean his body and shave his hair. Why did God do that? You ask yourself, why does the Bible tell us that uh, if a Jew was to come into contact with a dead body, that person was unclean for seven days' time? And before that person could return to the assembly, that person had to be washed. I wonder why. You know, I'm under the impression that God was doing those things to protect his people physically. When you read in Deuteronomy chapter 12, and of course there's several verses there, I won't read all of it, but if you look at verse number 15, he's very explicit about this. Listen to it. Jehovah will take away from you all sickness and none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you know will he put upon you, but he will lay them upon all them that hate you. Before this, he says, if you will observe all of these ordinances, if you will keep all of these commands, the kind of physical maladies that have befallen other people, that have befallen the people in Egypt, and you know all about that, Israel, God will keep you from those things. Now listen, why is he promising to keep them healthy physically? I mean, he had some concern about their physical well-being. You remember in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, you know it very well, verse 31, don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Jesus says, the Gentiles seek after all these things, but your heavenly Father, listen to what he says, knows that you need them all. God knows that you have physical needs. You need things to eat and you need things to drink and you need things to cover your body, to protect your body. In verse 33, what does he say? You seek the kingdom first. You live right first. You make sure you conform your living to God's expectations, and he will add all these physical blessings to you. Why does he say that? You know, I kind of get the idea that he, he has some concern about our physical well-being as well as our spiritual well-being. In James chapter 5, the question is asked in verse 14, is any among you sick? Well, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Question, if he's going to pray, why is he also going to anoint with oil? 
You remember the man who fell among thieves on the road to Jericho when, when the Samaritan sees him there. The Bible says he, he, he comes over to the man and he has oil and wine and he pours those things into the man's wounds. Why does he do that? Well, he didn't have Advil. He, he didn't have some of the fancy things that we have, but this was medicine. And he says, listen, if a man is sick, you call the elders of the church. The elders will pray and entreat God to heal. And the elders will also do what they can by, by way of treating the person physically. And the Bible says in verse 15, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. Question. Why does he say pray if somebody's not doing well physically? And why does he say that you should expect that God will respond to that kind of prayer. I think it's because God does have some concern about our physical well-being. In 3 John chapter 1 and verse number 2, the apostle says, Beloved, I pray that in all things you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. He's writing to the man Gaius, and he says to him, I I want you to prosper in all things. I want you to be in good health, he says, even as your soul prospers. Now, when he says, even as your soul prospers, that tells me that when he said before, I want you to prosper and be in good health, he wasn't saying spiritually because he says, I already know you're doing well spiritually. I want you to prosper and be in good health physically. The word that is uh, translated health here very close to our English word hygiene. Many times in the uh, Bible, even some of the newer translations, they translate this word sound. You remember when the prodigal returns, the father receives him and he says, my son has returned safe and sound. Same word. He's healthy. Yeah, I'm glad he's back. I'm glad that he's, he's in good shape physically. The apostle says... Uh, I'm just praying that you will be in good health physically. Why would an apostle pray that kind of prayer if, if God doesn't have any concern for our physical well-being? Uh, what I'm suggesting to you is that uh, the Bible is primarily intended to help us be in good health spiritually, but that doesn't mean that we ought to neglect ourselves physically. Do we always exhibit a proper concern for our physical well-being? Maybe you're like me, and maybe we don't. So think with me for a moment about the conception of the body, how you view your physical body, what you think about your physical body. A lot of people are primarily concerned with how their physical bodies look. And so they spend inordinate amounts of money uh, making sure that they have uh, ladies, maybe some makeup and men and women both, you know, uh, clothing. And, you know, guys can spend a lot of money on sneakers, too. May not have as many, but blow just as much money on sneakers. Spending inordinate amounts of money sometimes on cosmetic surgeries, you know, instead of actually doing the things to help your body be healthy, let somebody stick something in there and draw something out so it looks right. God doesn't view our bodies like that. In 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7, you remember there, we're, we're talking about Israel. We're talking about Israel having a king. And God says, listen, you, you're looking at the outward appearance. Don't worry about how he looks because God doesn't look on the outward appearance. He doesn't look like a man looks. 
He's not concerned about how pretty you are. He's not concerned about how handsome you are to look at with the eyes. God has a different perspective. It's not the physical appearance. You remember in 1 Timothy chapter 2, in verse number 9, and of course the setting there, he's talking about the worship context, the corporate services and so forth. And he says, I want men to pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. And he says, in like manner, I want the women to be dressed in modest apparel. We've talked about that before. Cover your body. He says, I want you to cover your body and, and don't go around with the braided hair and pearls and costly array. Don't try to draw attention to your body because of how cute it is or young fellas, how muscular you think it is. Don't try to draw attention to yourself like that, he says. Ah, but you conduct yourself like a woman who professes to be godly. I'm saying to you, the world's conception of the body is a good body is one that's good to look at with the eyes. That's not God's idea. Jehovah doesn't look the way that we look. Uh, people spend more time trying to be attractive than they spend trying to be healthy. And that's not a healthy conception of the body. How, how then should we think about our bodies? How should we conceive them? What, when you think about your physical body, when you think about the vessel that God has placed the gospel and so many blessings into, how do you think about it? Well, the first thing you ought to be thinking about when you think about your physical body is that God made it. And he made it fearfully. And he made it wonderfully. The Bible says in Psalm 139, verses 14 and 15, I will give thanks unto thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and that my soul knows right well. God made your body. That makes it special. That makes it something that should be cherished. It should be cherished not because of how attractive it is to somebody else, but how important it is to the one who made it and put your soul into it. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse number 23, I am reminded that when I think about my physical body, I ought to remember that God not only made my body, but he expects me to live a sanctified life in my body. The God of peace himself sanctify you wholly. He says that your spirit and soul and body be preserved entire without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this passage, uh, he's telling us that he expects us to be, Paul's writing, he says, God expects us to be wholly sanctified, wholly set apart for God's special purpose. It's not just about making sure your spirit is, is right with God. It's also about making sure that the utility to which you put your body is in keeping with you being sanctified, set apart for God's special purpose. Now listen, you start having uh, discussions with people about the things they do to their bodies not throwing down any laws here, not trying to write anything, not trying to create it, just asking a question. When you think about the kinds of things that people do to their bodies, you got to ask yourself, is this in keeping with a body that is holy, sanctified, and set apart for God's special purpose? I mean, how many holes am I going to put in it in the name of decoration if it's set apart for God? 
How much ink am I going to write on God's special body? How much ink am I going to put on his body set apart for his purpose? I didn't say that there's any law. Didn't try to tell you that you're going to hell over it. I said you should ask yourself the question because it's his body. Now, when you answer that question, you go on and do what you know the Lord would have you to do in that circumstance. See, the body is his, set apart and sanctified, just like the spirit, just like the soul. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, really, this passage begins, but we're told that our bodies are supposed to be used to glorify God. Flee fornication, that's the context. He says, every sin that a man commits, he commits without the body. He commits outside the body. But this particular one, you commit fornication, you're committing a sin against your own body. In verse 19, he says, Or don't you know that that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, which you have from God, and you are not your own? Do you realize that your physical body, you know, the one you're kind of protective over, the one that you, you know, you put clothes on your physical body, do you realize that that physical body does not belong to you? Not if you're a Christian. The Bible says that you are not your own because you were bought with a price because you're bought with a price. And what's the price? The blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because he paid for your physical body. Then you ought to glorify God in your body. When you think about your body, how do you think about it? Let me tell you something. Your body I don't care what it looks like. Your body, fearfully, wonderfully made by God. Your body, sanctified, wholly set apart for God's special purpose. Hey, listen, the young girl that's interested in you, your body, it's not for her purpose. The young guy that's after you, your body, it's not for his purpose. It's for God's purpose, special, set apart for what he says ought to be done with it, and he paid enough to tell you what to do with it. It's his body. Uh, And his body ought to be used to glorify him. Sometimes, I don't know, maybe, maybe we don't have enough concern about our physical bodies. Maybe we don't think about our bodies the right way, so we don't, We don't take care of our bodies the right way. I'm saying to you, listen, the conception of your body, the way you think about your body, it needs to be in keeping with the fact that it's God's body and he has a special purpose for it. Now, these things being said, see, I want to talk with you about how we care for our bodies then. Jesus increased, he advanced, he grew, he developed, he matured. And I know some part of that would have been uh, involuntary. I mean, you just keep eating food, you're going to get bigger at a certain point. It's going to happen. But the conception of the body, the way I have to apply all of this, I mean, Jesus had to sort of prepare his body for the work that the Father had for him. And and it took him some time. It took him some work. But, you know, by the, time he, by the time he reached his 30s, he was ready to use his body in a way that will fulfill the, the, the Father's special purpose for him. Now, how are you going to prepare your body to make sure that God gets every bit of glory out of your body that he should? 
I was thinking about this, and this is a question that kind of resonated with me. I just was thinking about this. And sometimes I have discussions with my wife. She encourages me to uh, take better care of myself. And I'm just being frank with you right now. Here's what I think. Here's what I honestly think about this. In an unguarded moment, here's what I think about this. Listen, everybody's going to die. And I'm really not afraid to die. Okay? I mean, I'm not in a hurry, but I'm not afraid. And she will remind me, yeah, but uh, you're supposed to take care of me, and you're supposed to take care of these kids, and you're supposed to... And then I kind of come back to myself and I say, well, you know what? If God is supposed to get glory out of my use of this body, and I die 10 years earlier than I should because I didn't take care of this body. I robbed him of 10 years of glory in this body. That's what I did. I cheated him out of what he gave me. Listen, you're going to die anyway. You might go out of here and get hit by a bus. I understand that. I understand that. But if you don't take care of the special gift that God has given you, the body that he has set aside for his use, and you rob him of two years or five or ten of glory in that body, I think you'll have to explain that. Do we get to waste the Lord's money? Question, do we get to waste the Lord's money or do we have to give account of our stewardship? Do we get to waste the Lord's time or do we have to give account of our stewardship of the time that he has afforded us? Do we get to waste and abuse the Lord's body that Jesus paid for or do we, or do we have to give account of our stewardship? Let's think for a few moments about how we care for the body. The first thing I want to talk about here is activity. Now this is, listen, this is, I'm not a, a medical man, I'm not a scientist, I can read. And so I went and did some research and this is what I found. I just listened to people who are supposed to know what they're talking about and I figured I'd share some of this with you to give you some context for the recommendations that I want to make here. The Surgeon General's report on physical activity and health. Persons with moderate to high levels of physical activity or cardiorespiratory fitness have a lower mortality rate than those with sedentary habits or low cardiorespiratory fitness. What does all that mean? People who are active live longer. That's the shorthand. The same report, the conclusion was this. Moderate amounts of activity can protect against several diseases. A greater degree of protection can be achieved by increasing the amount of activity which can be accomplished by increasing intensity, frequency, or duration. What does that mean? We have a lot of sick people in our society because people spend far too much time sitting on their rear ends than they do getting up and doing something productive. That's what that means. And so the first recommendation I make to you in caring for your body is activity. See, we have a sedentary culture. Cultures didn't always used to be like this. You wake up and you sort of get in your car and drive across town in air conditioning so you can get to your office. Now, you've got to walk from the parking lot into your office, but then it's air conditioned in there and you sit in a chair for eight hours, and then you say, boy, I worked hard today. And then you get up and you walk back to your car and drive across town in air conditioning so you can get to your air-conditioned house and sit down on the couch and watch TV. 
And of course, we're going to use the remote because we don't want to have to get up unnecessarily to change the channel. We have a sedentary society, a sedentary culture, and here's what I'm telling you. It is killing us physically that we're not more active. And so the Bible teaches that we should toil, that we should work, and that it's good for us. Listen, in Exodus 20 and verse number 9, the Bible says, Six days you shall labor. You know, that Sabbath rest is there assuming that you've worked for six days. We're resting and we never got to work yet. The Bible tells us that when God made Adam and he made Eve, he put the man in the garden to dress it and keep it. Your body was not designed to be idle. Your body was designed to work. And when you don't use it to work, it begins to deteriorate. Activity, work, toil, it's good for you. The next thing I'll mention is training, exercise. You know, in 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8, the Bible says bodily exercise profits little. And you know how we read that. We read that bodily exercise doesn't mean a thing. That's how we mean it. Bodily exercise doesn't profit at all, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it profits a little. Now, it profits a little in comparison to spiritual exercise. Why? Because spiritual exercise will profit you in this life and the next. Bodily exercise will only profit you in this life. And so it profits, because, it profits a little because it's limited in time. It's limited in scope. But listen, it does profit. Now, these reports tell me that we have a lot of physical maladies, a lot of physical diseases just because we spend too much time sitting on our behinds. Lazy behind disease. It's killing our country and it's hurting the church. See, we're not in the best kind of physical condition. Sometimes we can't do the kinds of things that maybe we ought because we're not physically capable of doing it. We're not taking good enough good enough uh, care of ourselves. I had to go to the doctor a few weeks ago. Uh, I, I'm probably just like a bunch of guys in here. I got the same malady you have. Don't want to go. Don't want to go and want to find out what's going on or whatever. But my wife stays on me long enough, then eventually I don't want to hear it anymore, so I go. And uh, she wasn't satisfied with my doctor, so she made me go to her doctor. Okay. The guy says, listen, you've got this going on, you've got that going on. He says, I'm going to give you a pill for this. I said, listen, doc, I'm not interested in taking any pills. I mean, what's happening here? What do I, what, what's the lifestyle issue? And I'll deal with it. And he says, well, you can fix this, uh, you can fix that by exercising. He says, you have to be more active. If you exercise, you know, whatever it is, four or five times a week, 20, 30 minutes at a time, all of this will be fixed or I can give you these pills. Now, you know what many people in our country do? Give me the pills. You just have to be more active. We have to be more active. And so we work and we exercise to take care of the bodies God has given us. The next thing I'll mention in this regard is our appetite. Too many people love to eat. And so they live to eat, but we should be eating to live. I said this to someone, and they said, listen, you must not be from the South. Listen, I like to eat. I like to eat. 
One of the reasons I eat the way that I do is because I consume mass quantities of food. I eat a lot. I always have. We need to be masters of our bellies and not be mastered by our bellies, our appetites. Pleasure. See, we eat oftentimes because we enjoy it. We eat because something tastes good to us. Even if it's not good for us, we eat it because we like it. The Office of Disease Prevention and Health Promotion said this, over the past century, essential nutrient deficiency, deficiencies dramatically decreased. Many infectious diseases have been conquered, and the majority of the U.S. population can now anticipate a long and productive life. What are they saying? Well, you know, in some parts of the world, people don't have access to the kinds of foods they need to get the proper nutrients. And they say, we don't have that problem. And there's lots of communicable diseases. We've come up with uh, shots and cures and things, and we've dealt with a whole lot of that. And he's saying, listen, we've, we've sort of gotten to a place where people can expect to live long lives. Now listen to this part. However, as infectious disease rates have dropped, the rates of non-communicable diseases, that means you can't catch it from somebody else, specifically chronic diet-related diseases have risen due in part to the changes in lifestyle behaviors. A history of poor eating and physical activity patterns have a cumulative effect and have contributed to significant nutrition and physical activity-related health challenges that now face the U.S. population. Listen to this. About half of all American adults have more, one or more preventable chronic diseases, many of which are related to poor quality eating patterns and physical inactivity, including cardiovascular diseases of different kinds, high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, some cancers, and poor bone health. More than two-thirds of adults and nearly one-third of children and youth are overweight or obese. Now, what am I saying? Listen, these folks are telling us that we are eating ourselves to death. And it's not because anybody's starving. It's not because anybody doesn't have options. It's because we're allowing our bellies to master us rather than us mastering our bellies and our appetites. The Bible warns about gluttony, does it? doesn't it? In Proverbs 25 and verse 16, the Bible says, Hast thou found honey? Have you found something that tastes good? Have you found something that's sweet? He says, Eat so much as is sufficient for you, lest you be filled therewith and vomit it. You know, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. Avoid gluttony. Avoid eating just because something seems to taste good. God has given us food because it helps us to maintain strong bodies, but when we overdo it, we wind up having weak bodies. You remember in Acts 27 and verse 34, the, the people that have uh, been shipwrecked there, and Paul says to them, you need to eat a little bit so that you can have strength. The food is given to us to maintain strong and healthy bodies, but when we don't do this the right way, we actually wind up working against and weakening our bodies. It's God's body. We should do what we can to take care of it. The next thing I'd mention in this regard is plants. And the reason I mention that is not because you need to become a vegan. It's not because you need to become a vegetarian. But here's the deal. Listen, you can do that. I'm not going to bore you with all the science. 
You do the research yourself. Your body is designed to ingest primarily plants. Did I say exclusively? I said primarily plants. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he said, listen, every tree that's in this garden is good for you to eat for food. Now, listen, there's need you to stay away from this one here, okay? But all these other ones, the fruits and the vegetables, all of that is good for food. After the flood, he says, you can eat these animals, but your body didn't change. Primarily, your body is designed to ingest and digest plant-based material. I didn't say don't eat meat. I didn't say that. What I say is we have gotten sort of the dietary paradigm absolutely upside down. Whereas meat is supposed to be the smallest portion of our diet, it is by and large the largest portion. And it's not good for us. And so uh, we may want to make some adjustments there. Eating a diet high in fruits and vegetables associated with, is associated with a decreased risk of many chronic diseases, including heart disease, stroke, high blood pressure, diabetes, and some cancers, and more and more I could say about that. For the sake of time, I'll mention these things briefly. We have to give attention to our bodies. We have to have some periods of downtime. We have to have some periods of rest. The Bible tells me in the Old Testament that uh, God told Israel to work six days, and the seventh day the people were supposed to rest. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man. That Sabbath rest is good for you. And a lot of us, you know, just our personality types, uh, we want to argue about that. Uh, we think that, no, listen, I can work seven days a week. I can do that every week of the month. I can do that every month of the year, and I can do that for 10 years. You're killing yourself. I'm killing myself. That's all that's happening. Pay attention to your body. If you don't give it rest, it'll take rest at inopportune times. The Bible says the Sabbath was made for man. Jesus, when he was weary, you know, he came to Jacob's well, and he had been walking, he had been working, he was weary, and you know what he did? He stopped and he rested. Jesus would tell his disciples, listen, come apart with me. Let's go over here and find a quiet space and uh, I want you guys to just relax because they had been working so hard they hadn't even had time to eat. You need downtime. It's part of caring for your body, giving it some rest. I mentioned doctors before. Um, listen, you have to go to the doctor. There's just some things that you can't know about your body without going to someone who has the ability to to find out what's going on on the inside. You've got to go to the doctor sometimes. Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 12 that those who are well that don't, uh, those who are well don't have need of a physician, but those who are sick. You know, he said, you know, if you're sick, you might want to go and talk to a doctor, you know. You remember Paul says to Timothy that he should take a little wine with his water. He said, don't drink water. Drink a little wine, a little, a little, because it wasn't for his mind, it was for his stomach. Take a little because of your often infirmities. You know, sometimes you just have to take medication. That's all there is to it. Sometimes you may have something biological happening in your body, something hereditary happening in your body, and a pill can help you to regulate that so you can continue to do the Lord's work and make sure he gets glory out of your body. And if you need to take that pill, you should take it. If you need to correct your lifestyle, you should do that. 
all those pills have side effects and so forth. And if it's just a matter of you doing what you should be doing anyway or taking a pill, do what you should be doing anyway and take care of God's body. Now, this is one of those areas where you mentioned some of these things, and I'm mindful that people may have some different ideas about some of them. I don't intend to push anything on anyone. I just wouldn't want to do that. But here's what I do want to do. When you think about living a holy life, I don't want you to forget that taking care of your body is part of sanctified living. When you think about making sure that you treat God's body the way you ought to, I want you to understand that there is a broader responsibility than simply fleeing from fornication. It's broader than that. You are a steward over the physical body that Jesus died to, to purchase. He didn't just die to redeem your spirit. He died to redeem all of you, and that includes your physical body. So think about him when you think about what you're going to do with it, when you think about how you're going to use it. What if, what if you die sooner than you should because you had a heart attack because you weren't exercising sometimes? What if you die sooner than you should because you have a congestive heart failure because you won't eat in a way that's healthy for your body? Would you rob God of glory in your body because you're just too lazy to take care of the body he gave you? That's the way I process it, and I invite you to I invite you to process it, to process it that way. It's God's body. Sometimes I hear people say, I can do whatever I want to with my body. Well, if you had a body, I guess you could. The body you have is God's body. So you ought to do what he wants you to do with it. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for my sin. He died for yours. I'm willing to make changes. I'm willing to make changes because of the sacrifice that he made for me. Are you willing to make changes because of the sacrifice that he made for you? It may mean that you need to be mindful of your speech. It may mean that you need to be mindful of your attitudes. It may mean you need to take a little better care of your body. Is any of that off limits for the Lord? He died for your sin, he died for mine. If you believe that he is the Lord, then listen to him. Change your mind, he's not going to change his. Change your mind, bring your thinking into conformity with his thinking. You confess with your mouth, yeah, that's a beginning, but you live it in your life. You confess with your life that Jesus is Lord. If you haven't been baptized, you ought to be, because that's the only way you can become a part of God's family. And if you have been baptized, you ought to live like you're wholly sanctified, wholly set apart to the Lord Jesus Christ. If we can help you, we would love to do that. We invite you to come as we stand and sing. We will.